Chapter 17 of the Boy Scouts First Campfire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan. The Boy Scouts First Campfire by Herbert Carter. Chapter 17 The Maker of Fires. Giraffe spent fully half an hour, if not longer, that afternoon, making ample preparations for his anticipated building of the campfire that night. After supper had been disposed of, he had his busy jackknife at work, laying in a store of shavings that would flare up in a jiffy, and set the next size kindling to going. When by degrees the larger logs would take fire under the fierce heat, Thad kept an eye on him, and others were a bit worried, lest the boy who just doted on building fires overdoes the matter and sets the whole forest ablaze. "'Why, you've already got twice too much tinder, giraffe,' said Davy Jones, as he saw the boy with a knife start in again to cut more. "'Do for starting the fire in the morning, then,' replied giraffe. "'Must be doing something all the time, you know, and I don't enjoy anything half so much as making fires or whittling for a blaze.' You go along with your silly pictures, Davy, and let me alone. That's keeping an eye on me, all right. And I haven't got a single match about me, you know. Supper was finally in preparation. The bass had been neatly cleaned by those who had caught them, Stephen and Smithy, and for the first time in his life, no doubt, the pampered son of the rich widow found himself doing the work of a cook's helper, whether he fancied it or not. Stephen declared that he did his work neatly and fairly fast, which compliment made Smithy's light blue eyes shine with real pleasure. It entered into a new life, and was evidently resolved to pursue it further, taking the bitter with the sweet. But, of course, the fish did not constitute the only food they had. Healthy appetites, like those possessed by the eight scouts, could not fare on fish alone. That, for example cared very little for freshwater bass, though fond of catching them, and he saw to it that a large can of corned beef was opened, together with a large tin containing succotash, out of which he constructed a savory dish, which he called the canoeist stew. Then besides they had stewed prunes, together with a kettle of boiled rice, over which those who preferred it could sprinkle sugar and wet down with the evaporated cream which was carried in tins. Given the voracious appetite which healthy boys usually carried along with them into camp, and it was amazing how the dinner just vanished, and Giraffe, as he scraped the kettle that had contained the stew, remarked that the only mistake made on the trip had been in providing two small cooking utensils. "'Make your mind easy, Giraffe,' said Davy. "'Next time we'll fetch along all our mother's preserving kettles. "'Fact is, there must be times when even a wash-boiler "'looks about the regulation size to you.' "'That's mean of you, Davy,' remarked Giraffe, "'when he could make himself heard above the roars of laughter. "'Just because I happen to have a better appetite than the rest of you "'is no reason you should keep on joking a feller about it. "'You eat twice as much as Smithy here, "'and yet you think that's nothing.' "'Well, I happen to be able to go a little further than you. "'That's all. Nothing to be ashamed of. Is it, Thad?' "'Oh, the boys must have their fun, Giraffe, "'and 
If you're wise, you'll laugh with them, Thad remarked. When they find it doesn't bother you, the chances are they'll quit quizzing you on your eating ability. Dr. Philander said that the only danger lay in your putting too great a strain on your digestive powers. Well, Dr. Philander ain't here, and would seem to me getting along okay without a regular scoutmaster, too, remarked Davy Jones. I wouldn't care if business kept them unchained to the town wherever the Silver Fox Patrol has a chance to camp out. That here keeps us subdued in just about the right manner. Oh, the bear had not been forgotten at mealtimes. Thad saw it too that there was enough good food given to the animal to satisfy its hunger. Though Giraffe always complained that it was just ruinous the way the animal did eat their supplies. Lucky you laid an extra amount, Thad, he remarked that same evening, as he saw the captive make way with all that was placed before him. Guess you must have had an idea we'd have company up here. Why, no. The boys warned me that the fresh air might sharpen up some of our appetites, replied Thad. And I guess it has. That's just it, said Giraffe quickly. And I can't be held responsible for what the ozone does, can I, Thad? Why, ever since we started, I just got an empty feeling down there, like the bottom had dropped out half an hour after I filled up. I'm hungry again. It's an awful feeling, let me tell you. Well, I was just wondering, said Thad, if those two foreigners who own the beast will ever show up to claim him. My stars, I hope so, remarked the other, looking horrified at the very thought of keeping Bruin much longer. But what can we do to let them know we've got their old hairy exhibit, eating us out of house and home? Nothing that I know of, laughed Thad. No use advertising, because papers don't circulate through the wilderness. And those ignorant foreigners couldn't read the notice if we put one in. And we can't find where to stick the message, even if we printed one in picture writing, as Alan had showed us. The Indians do. Guess after all, we'll just have to take potluck, Giraffe. That means I reckon that we'll just have to keep on stuffing our good grub down the throat of this silly old bear until his owners happen along. Why, oh, why did that beast ever smell us out in the beginning? The odor of our supper cooking must have done that. Thad went on to say, if you were almost starved and got on the track of onions frying, wouldn't you make a beeline for that campfire and beg to share the meal? That's what he did. Came in walking and, in his clumsy way, tried to dance himself into our good graces. But the hour was late and we all make a break for the branches of the trees. I'll never remember that without laughing. It was the funniest sight ever. There's Stephen, Giraffe had gone on to remark, always talking about that uncle of his who lives out somewheres in the wild and woolly west. He says he expects to pay him a visit some day, and brags about how he'll have a chance to bag his grizzly bear then. But excuse me, if a grizzly can eat any more than this tame one, I wouldn't bag him for a gift. Oh, you mistake his meaning, chuckled Thad. When he speaks of bagging a bear, he means shooting him and bringing him home to bag, not capturing one. The man doesn't live who could try to capture such a monster single-handed. Have you ever shot one, Thad? Well, hardly, seeing that I'm never lived where they grew grizzlies. But the time might come when I would have a chance. I'd like to be able to say I brought such a fierce beast down. But I want to get back and keep an eye on that fire you built. 
It's sure a wonder, only I wouldn't throw any more wood on it for a long time. Those flames shoot up pretty high right now. Oh, it's just glorious, declared the young fire worshipper. And I don't see how I'm ever going to get sleep tonight for tinkering with it. When I can attend a fire, I seem to get thrilled all over. Funny, ain't it, Dad? How it affects me. My folks say that I'll have to send me to a city and make a fireman out of me. Well, if you ask my advice, remarked the other, I'd say you ought to be put on a railroad engine to stoke. Inside of a month you'll be so sick of making fires you'll never want to try it again as long as you live. Hey, don't go putting them up to that dodge, hun, remarked Giraffe in a sudden alarm, because I don't want any overdose of making fires. Just now it's a passion with me. I love to sit and stare into the blaze because I can see all sorts of things there. Why, Thad, honest now, they talk to me just like the silly old Indian pictures writing does to Alan. I read stories in the fires I make. Well, remarked Thad dryly, we'll make sure then that this campfire dies out before we go to our blankets, because I'm bound to know just where you are, Giraffe, and now that the bear has finished his supper and is begging for more, let's go over to the rest of the boys. Yes, for goodness sakes, let me get out of here the other scout said. Somehow or other, I just know that beast feels a grudge against me. There's Bumpus, a choice, a morsel, as you'd like to see. Yet it's always me the bear is watching. I sometimes believe that if he did get loose, he'd be mean enough to try and make a meal off me. Well, if he can understand English or even the actions of human beings, you admit he have a good cause for disliking you, chuckled Thad, because all along you've put up quite a good-sized objection against our wasting any more food on him. And animals can tell who their friends are. You understand? Is that really so? Giraffe remarked uneasily. Then for me, a tree, if ever he does break that chain, and I'm going to keep a way open under the edge of my tent so I can slide out while he's searching among the lot for me. Oh, if I had a gun, Thad, we might enjoy bear steaks on this trip yet. Pretty tough eating, believe me. And I'm just as well pleased that you have no rifle with which Thad threw himself down by the roaring fire, the heat of which felt good, since with the coming of night the air had become quite chilly. Giraffe soon fell back on his shaving occupation again. Alan was telling stories about the Maine woods and enthusing his hearers, so that even Smithy was heard to declare that he hoped they would some day have a chance to visit that country to see for themselves, if it was as fine as Alan pictured it. I hope it will be in the early fall, then, remarked Alan, because then you will be in time for the late fishing and the opening of deer season. That's the best time for going up into the main woods. Davy Jones, who had gone down to the edge of the lake to listen to the bass jumping as they fed upon smaller species of fish, as frequently happens at nighttime, came hurrying back to the fire, his face filled with excitement. Thad saw at once that something must have occurred to the scout, a shock, and he wondered whether it could have anything to do with the mystery of the boat and those footprints over on the island. The ghost walks, fellers, exclaimed Davy as he caught his breath again. What's all that silly talk mean, Davy? demanded the scoutmaster. He's been prowling around with a lantern all right, looking for something. I give you my word I saw it, Thad, Davy declared, crossing his hard boy fashion. Where was all this happening? pursued Thad. Why, over there on the island, answered Davy, positively. 
End of chapter 17. Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan.